You're listening to Siren Radio with me, Andrew David, and a week late, but that's my fault, not the next guest's fault. It's time for John Ketley on a Wednesday to open up that wonderful box of gorgeousness that is the weather, reflecting on August, but also, I'm sure, delighted that we have summer at last. John Ketley, how are you? Yes, good afternoon to you, Andrew, and I know perfectly well your little... Your little idea was that we'd delay the program to get back to summer weather absolutely you didn't want to, you didn't want to be on air on a gray and cool cloudy day in lincoln That's not what it was. exactly as, as as the bank holiday was a bit dreech wasn't it oh it was horrible <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible uh, there were a few highlights uh, we'll we'll come to them slowly but uh, there were a few highlights through august but uh, if you look back over the past few weeks You'd have to say that uh, August was probably the worst of the three summer months. Of course, statistically, we have now come to an end of summer. June, July and August, it just compartmentalised the entire year very easily into four sections of three months. Uh, So we can look back at the summer shortly. But uh, if we just consider August to begin with, and first of all, look at the figures for Lincolnshire. Well, you you wouldn't remember August too well, actually. I mean, the figures were pretty boring and very depressing. The, there wasn't much rain. I suppose that's one thing. And my garden is testament to that. It's pretty rock hard at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you look at the rainfall figures across Lincolnshire during August, there was actually 27 millimetres at Waddington, 24 millimetres at Scampton and 26.6 millimetres at Cranwell, 24 again at Coningsby and 26 over at Waynefleet. So very small amounts of rain. That's only about an inch of rainfall at all those uh, aerodromes uh, during the month, which is uh, representative of less than half the normal rain, about 45% normal rainfall for August. They often say that August can be one of the wettest months. It can be for one of two reasons. Sometimes you get the thunderstorms breaking out after a hot spell. Well, that was never going to happen. Or you can also get the remnants of the uh, tropical storms and hurricanes coming in off the Atlantic, which have affected Caribbean and North America, which also hasn't quite happened yet. Uh, but uh, it will happen later on this month, I'm sure of that. Uh, so that's the reason it was much drier than general. It wasn't as hot, and we didn't get the remnants of the storms coming over the Atlantic. Uh, so those figures, rainfall figures of about an inch of rain, were pretty pretty lowly. Now, temperature-wise, you'd never get excited about that, just below normal temperatures, and that is a mean temperature. And one of the things that uh, can be a bit confusing when you see on television here on the radio about how the mean temperature through August was above average or... Um, Uh, things like that it's purely and simply this month because we've had such a lot of cloud uh, that the high temperatures have stayed with us all night so the mean temperature the average of the day and the nighttime temperature looks abnormally high because we've got all the clouds so temperatures haven't fallen much overnight it's been like a blanket of cloud uh, keeping the warmth in such as it was Uh, so the mean temperature has actually stayed at or very fractionally below the average long-term figure of 1981 to 2010 which they're using at the moment now, if you look at sunshine, it gets even more depressing. Uh, Waddington, 104 hours of sunshine. I was thinking of, um, well, I lost the will to live almost. <laughs> I was thinking of looking back at the figures to see when we had such a dull August. And uh, I, I really couldn't, uh, couldn't get back to it. So it was 104 hours of sunshine, which represented 55% of, of normal sunshine. Terrible. So in a nutshell, Andrew, uh, you'd look at uh, Lincolnshire's August and say, well, it was dry-ish. It was cool-ish, and it was very cloudy. Uh, so, as I say, you wouldn't really remember this last month uh, with any fondness, uh, but it hasn't been the same across the whole country. I have to say, some different parts of the country have seen different variations of the weather, as they will always do. Now, if you look at England and Wales combined, 
It has actually been the driest August since 2003. That's for the whole of England and Wales. And you look at the central England temperature, which is just a combination of a few observation points around England, which dates back to 1659, which we've talked about many, many times over these years. Indeed. Um, the central England temperature figured 216th in the list out of 363. So it's about two thirds of the way down. Uh, or two-thirds of the way up, really. I mean, we've had two-thirds of uh, August, which have been cooler than it has been this year. But uh, to a large degree, that's been due to the cloud and keeping the temperature up overnight, and we haven't had many dews. Uh, so very strange sort of month, really. If we look around the country in more detail, we can see that uh, some places did have some very nice weather. And Scotland was something of a, an anomaly, you'd have to say. Uh, the sunshine at its best was across in Dundee, Lucas area, in southeast Scotland, in Fife, where they had something like 135 hours of sunshine, um, which was still below average, I have to say. But if you go across to Tyree, they had 169 hours of sunshine, which was slightly above average, because normally in August, you'd be starting to see the weather systems coming in from the Atlantic mm -hmm. and affecting uh, northwestern UK in particular, bringing wind and rain from time to time. So they did very well in Tyree. Uh, sunshine was um, still below everywhere, really, across Scotland and indeed across the whole country. Nobody has actually come up to where it should be for sunshine uh, during the entire month of August. It's been absolutely depressing, really, when it's come to amounts of um, blue sky around, which is you know, what people are looking for when they go on their holidays, when all said and done. They, they do like warm weather and they certainly like to be at the beach if they can be as well. Well, the uh, other thing, of course, is that this it's this whole vitamin D thing that we've yep, been on is. supplements since really lockdown uh, yep. 15, 16, 17 months ago. And normally in the summer, you'd be able to top it up with some good bursts of sunshine. But it was a, yep. it was a dire August. You're, you're absolutely well, right. Well, it was. I mean, look at the figures for rainfall, 135 millimetres in Estdale Muir in the southern uplands of Scotland, so it's pretty wet there. Uh, but nonetheless, they still had um, some decent warm weather because the temperature did get up to 25.3, which was higher than it ever got to in Lincolnshire Good uh, during August. So if there were any warm, sunny spells around, they were, generally speaking, across northern parts of the UK in the second half of the month, whereas all of us really had a, per a pretty depressing start although there were a few little highlights in the first half of the month and i'm going to come on to those in a second but we've just got to deal with some of the uh, other outliers down in the south and uh, we always like to mention shubriness of we course do. and uh, shubriness they came up with what did they come up with i've got to rattle my papers um shubriness oh shubriness yes they had 167 hours of sunshine which is poor mm. <laughs> frankly uh, but only 31 millimetres of rain. So they had 69% the normal rainfall, uh, which was all right. But it, again, it was pretty dull. And, and for your very favourite um, spot in yes, Kent in Manston. Yep. Uh, Manston, real enigma, this one. They had actually 149% uh, of their normal rainfall, oh. 69 millimetres. So half as much again as they would expect. And yet they still finished up as just about the sunniest part of the country with 170 <laughs> hours, but that was 85% of average. Uh, so Manston did all right uh, in fits and starts. Uh, you know, it had, its, it had its poor days, it had its uh, <laughs> rather better days, should we just put it that way. Uh, if we just go back to uh, when we were on last time, that was on about the 4th of August, actually. It was, was yes. Wednesday the 4th of August. And at that point, very early in the month, we were actually looking at some uh, decent weather in the south and and pretty dodgy weather up over Scotland and Northern Ireland. That's where the worst of the weather was. 
and um, and things uh, just changed around as the month went on. It actually corresponded to the first day of the test match at Trembridge, which we talked about, mm-hmm. because it's quite a warm day. It was sunny uh, at times and got to 23 degrees that day and 24 degrees further south at Cambridge as well, whereas the wetter weather was generally over Northern Ireland, 16 millimetres of rain fell there. And once we got through to the weekend, we saw more heavy showers breaking away from the sunshine uh, further south as well. Uh, so temperatures were still relatively reasonable across this area. Hull and Coningsby got to 23 degrees, uh, but some really wet weather then turned up in uh, in central London. There, 32 millimetres of rain there was with downpours starting to brew up. And then the following day, there was no play at all at the test match because there was heavy downpours across much of England and Wales and, and low pressure covering Scotland as well. So it was a pretty dire uh, affair across many parts of the UK. 57 millimetres of rain fell at Spade Adam up in Cumbria in just 24 hours. And not far from here at Watnall, which we talk about occasionally. Indeed. North Knots. Uh, they had virtually an inch of rain. And that's, that's one of the reasons why there was no play at all over at Trent Bridge. Mm. Um, wet and windier weather then crossed Northern Ireland and Scotland during the following week. Some of the warmest sunshine was left across southeast England if you missed the downpours. So things were um, still reasonable in the south. But then we moved on to the next test match. That was at Laws. And that was a delayed start because of early drizzle. Then there was some sunshine later on. We did actually just recover. Temperatures did actually get uh, pretty close to 25 degrees at Hull Beach and Coningsby uh, in the middle of the following week. But that was it, really. Once we get through to mid-month onwards, we just seemed to fill in with cloud. Everything went um, you know, pear-shaped, really. It was sunniest and warmest for, uh, for the next 10 or so days across northern areas. So it's sunniest and warmest across much of northern Britain. It wasn't really because we were moving on to Headingley for the next test match. It wasn't not a question of that because Headingley fared reasonably well compared with some. Uh, but temperatures, the highest temperature of the whole month in the UK occurred on the 25th of August. That was at Tindrum up in northwest ah, Scotland, yes. I think. Have you been to Tindrum? It's I have, yes. Quite remote, I think. <laughs> Indeed it is. Uh, and that had the highest temperature of the month. That, that was the highest temperature, temperature of the month on the 25th of August anywhere yeah. in the UK. Uh, 27 degrees, 26 degrees in Glasgow and 25 degrees over in Northern Ireland and at Estale Muir as well, with most places sitting nearer to 20 or 21 degrees further south. And then at, right at the end of the month, of course, we moved on to August bank holiday. Things weren't improving at all. It was pretty cloudy everywhere. It, it, there'd been some warmer sunshine around in the north, yes, just before that. But it, it, it went uh, very, very grey everywhere, really, for August bank holiday Monday. And it must have been one of the coolest, miserable bank holiday Mondays we've we've seen for several years. And it's got some bad weather to <laughs> to try and beat as well, I can tell you. Uh, so uh, a very poor day. 21 degrees was just about realised in Castle Derg up in Northern Ireland. For England, there were a few sunny breaks in the morning. That lifted temperatures to 20 in Plymouth and Bournemouth. But even there, it filled in through the day. And uh, persistent drizzle up in Durham brought three millimetres of rain. So there you are. That's uh, that was that was August, and and that got the Met Office very excited uh, because they then said that uh, the high temperatures in Scotland and Northern Ireland have helped elevate this summer towards the top ten on mean temperatures uh, on record, and and that means they were going back to I think eighteen eighty four for fairly comprehensive um, records uh, all combined. So difficult for people to believe that I think. Uh, but it is, especially as we have some very good friends who live on the west coast of Scotland um, out uh, w- way to the west of Glasgow mm. and they have continually complained this year at the 
amount of rain that's just been coming in off the yeah. Atlantic. Yeah. And so for them to actually uh, fare and to be told that they are in the top 10 mean temperatures since 1884. Um, yeah. it, but it, it, the, the thing is, it was only for a day. There was no consistency to to any no. of the weather patterns, uh, no. other than the consistency was it was grey and overcast and dry, yes. um, which is fascinating because um, I've been away a bit and come back. And of course, we're really deep into the heart of uh, harvesting the, the air at two o'clock in the morning. You can hear the throbbing of machinery uh, in the fields. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things you, you often find with farmers is they say we need the dry. But I'm just wondering whether the dry has come at the wrong time and whether we're going to see yields uh, which are nowhere near the yield levels that they were expecting. Well, I'm going to come back to Nicholas Watts down in the Deepings. He sends me a report every month oh, about how the conditions have been there. And I, I will come back to that after we've played a track. But just before we go on to the track, yep. uh, I will just talk about the summer in a little bit more detail if you look at the three months combined, because the highest temperature recorded um, in Northern Ireland was a record breaker. They got 31.3 degrees on the 17th of July, and they'd never been up to that sort of level before. And that's one of the reasons why, one of the major reasons why it looked like it was a very good summer for Scotland and Northern Ireland overall with these mean temperatures and such like. Mm. Uh, but Northern Ireland broke their record. They've never been as high as that ever on, on these current records. So that was a record breaker for Northern Ireland, which was absolutely wonderful for them. Uh, by contrast, though, if you look at central London or greater London generally, they had 220 millimetres of rain. And that's 48% more than their long-term summer average rainfall. Mm. Although, again, it wasn't a record because, you know, we've had some pretty horrible um, summers in the past, not that long ago, either 2007, 2009 and 12, I think, and maybe 14 too. Uh, so we've had some pretty wet summers and um, these things are all skewed by different things. But if you just go back to, if we, we can barely remember what it was like in June, but the first half wasn't, uh, it was pretty good. Indeed. It was quite settled and warm. And then it was notably uh, more miserable in the second half of the month. In fact, it, it You'd say it was turned very cool for the end of the month, and that was the approach of <laughs> Wimbledon and such like things as that. We had a, a remarkable warm spell during July, which didn't last very long, but that was um, that was just following those heavy downpours that we had at the beginning of July, which I got caught in down in Bournemouth, for example. Mm. And there were local thunderstorms and downpours in many areas, actually, during uh, July and into August as well, just to begin with. Uh, so the first half of June was rather warm, it, it says here, and they finished up with temperatures above average. July as well, temperatures slightly above average when you look at the means, because we had the, the cloud and we had the warmer nights. And provisionally, the, warm, the fifth warmest July on record across the UK. Quite remarkable, really. Absolutely re remarkable. Uh, fifth equal warmest July on record. And yet you compare that with uh, conditions back in 76 and 95 and 83, which were record-breaking July, as they seemed at the time. And then we went on to the highest temperature we had last century in, in, uh, in any day, any year through last century, was in the first three or four days of August in 1990. Uh, these are the things you remember. You don't really remember the fact that it was the fifth warmest July just because we had some warm nights. Mm. Uh, people are looking for heat. They're looking for long, prolonged hot spells, and such as the 2003 and 2006 hot spells as well. And so a very weird summer it's been. You'd have to say people aren't going to remember it. Only up in the northwest, I think, parts of Ireland and Scotland will remember it because it was pretty good. Whereas England and Wales saw little in the way of sunshine. It was one of the 10 dullest August historically, apparently, for England and Wales. And sunshine was uh, absolutely bang on normal. So... 
when they come out with the figures saying it's a, it was a warmer summer than normal and, and slightly drier, but uh, just ordinary sunshine, it, it really is very difficult to believe. And I think if you've been on holiday, and most people have, of course, this year with their staycations, I think you'd be very, very hard-pressed to remember this one. Yes. Um, however, it has to be said, we're recording this at uh, half past 11 on Wednesday, the 8th of September, and we are into a period of gorgeous weather. So we, uh, there is something to hold our spirits up ever so slightly. And I think that the tune you've chosen will also hold our spirits up. Yeah, it's the tune from 2000. It was by Katie Lang, and she was talking about a summer fling.
And that was a great track by Katie Lang from 2000 called Summer Fling. Of course, she was talking about a love affair rather than the weather being <laughs> now on the upturn. <laughs> a bit of a summer fling into September. Uh, yeah. but it wouldn't be the first time. We've had some very nice weather in September in the past, and it's, uh, it's turned up trumps yet again. So that's fantastic. And that was Katie Lang from 2000. However, I did mention just, be- I did mention just before yes. that uh, down in the deep- deepings where Nicholas Watts uh, is very keen on the weather. He's very well, obviously, all farmers are keen on the weather. He's been in that business for over 50 years and he sends us a, a monthly report. Uh, just looking at the July one, it, it says uh, July did not seem to be a good month to me, he said. He writes as he thinks. And uh, he said, because of a lack of sunshine. Uh, so there you are. We've heard it all before. Yeah. But it was actually one degree warmer than average at 17.7 degrees. It was the warm, cloudy nights that brought the temperature up. And all those clouds gave us 15 millimetres more than the average rainfall. They had 63 millimetres of rain in July. And he says, I'm sure we were lucky to receive so little rain from what I hear around. So <laughs> that's all the heavy downpours and thunderstorms that uh, are always localised, you know, in the summer. You do get localised downpours. It's a question of the village down the road getting nothing at all. Mm. Uh, so he'd now finished his rape harvest, which was looking better than ever, uh, more than better than expected, actually. And then the wheat harvest will be with us soon. So he's, uh, he's expecting good weather as he looks forward to uh, to August. Well, sadly, uh, I think he was disappointed with what August had to, had to bring because we didn't get the sunshine he was looking for, uh, which uh, ripens the crops and makes everything look so much better. Um, but... Um, Nonetheless, you know, we can't keep farmers happy all of the time. It's very difficult. And um, they just have to live with what we get, I think, really. Of course, one of the problems that farmers have had in recent years with different crops is that they get these different diseases. And, you know, they can never be seen to be uh, using pesticides and things like that. It's, uh, it's all against, against the rules these days, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so he said that it's been a cool, dry August, only five cooler Augusts in the last 50 years. So that was interesting, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, statistically, he said it was his, his, his wettest month with an average of 53 millimetres, but he only got uh, 25. He got exactly one inch. Uh, so he got yes. half his normal rainfall. He didn't get much in the way of sunshine. I don't know whether he records sunshine. That's more difficult to uh, to measure. Uh, so he had half his normal rainfall. He had... Um, Half his yeah, half his normal rainfall. It was a cool month, yes, which is obvious. And so, uh, with a lack of sunshine, it can't have been very good. So it's now it's a race against time. He was saying uh, to get the crops in uh, before uh, before the rains come back. But he will have been very pleased with what's turned up in September. I'm sure he'd be absolutely cock a hoop actually with what's going on at the moment. So absolutely brilliant for him and for all August, the farmers around Lincolnshire. August elsewhere around the world uh, was fairly horrendous, wasn't it? Well, it is. Yeah, yes. I mean, you've travelled, you've been globetrotting, I know, across France. Ever so slightly, yes. Uh, ever so slightly. And, um, you know, we did uh, try and send you in the right direction. Uh, I think you fared reasonably well, actually. We did warm uh, and dry, but of course, other areas of France, massive wildfires um, yeah, and yeah. across the Iberian Peninsula. Um, and across the world, I mean, the weather patterns have been much more dramatic than, I mean, if we're going to be thankful, we had a, yeah. a, a calm, nondescript August. Yes. Um, around about the time of the last programme, right at the beginning of August, everybody was talking again, which they do every year now, of course, the most intense European heat wave ever. Mm. <laughs> and they were, they were looking at Spain and Greece to see if they were going to break any records. Well, they didn't. Uh, but um, never, no, it's a good talking point, and uh, they're still trying to reach this 46 point. Well, they got to 46.3 in parts of um, Greece and Turkey, this sort of area. Uh, so it was pretty close to a record. 
But I think the temperature in Athens has never peaked above 47.7 or something like that, um, going back to 1977, something of that order. And then down in Spain and Portugal, again, we fell short of a record. So um, I don't think that's any bad thing. I don't want to be breaking records no. willy-nilly because uh, you know, it'll get people a bit too excited about what's going to happen in the next few decades. And, and we get uh, plenty of talk of that anyway. But yeah, wildfires, you mentioned, they continue to rip through the Greek islands of Evia. For example, around about the 9th of August, there were some terrible conditions around August uh, early on with the, the wildfires. But we come back to this thing about why are the wildfires occurring? Is it because of the heat and becoming drier year by year? Or is it just negligence? And we don't know. We can't prove that, obviously. But people are having barbecues, I'm sure. There are probably more barbecues around than there were 30 or 40 years ago. It's become a very mm. trendy thing to do. And you just don't know whether it's um, negligence in some people's part. Uh, Sicily, too, registered some very high temperatures. In fact, the highest temperature of the summer occurred in Sicily, and that was 48.8 degrees. And that was recognised as a as a record. Never been above 48.8. I don't know whether it's it needed to be verified by the World Meteorological Organisation at that time on the 11th of August. I don't know whether it ever was. Uh, but it, it could have been a record. It certainly could. There was some very hot weather about, and it was dry in many areas. Across other parts of uh, the world, there were some heavy rains and storms. Because I get tropical cyclones and things lashing different parts of Japan. Now, that was pertinent because we've had the Olympic Games, the 2020 Olympic Games, taking place uh, during the summer of 2021. So they had some very mixed weather, but it, uh, we had some good uh, good medal. Um, uh, some very good uh, medal t- tallies. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for the Olympic Games uh, throughout the uh, last month. Uh, Japan, yes, was very badly hit. But then we come to North America, and we know that tropical storms have been affecting Central and North America, as they always do at this time of the year. Haiti was very badly hit, hit uh, with some uh, tropical storms around about the 17th of August, tropical storm Grace at that point. And then the big one occurred later in the month, didn't it, when we had Ida starting to approach and then that was going into the Gulf of Mexico and everybody around the New Orleans area was getting mm. very, very worried and excited because um, we didn't want the sort of thing that had occurred back in 2005 uh, when, um, now what was the name? I always forget the name of this. Uh, Katrina. Song. Katrina, yes. I always think of the waves, but I can't remember yes. the Katrina bit. <laughs> so that's the only way I can remember it. And of course, it, it, huge toll of life was lost. And one of the things I remember listening to reports of uh, Ida was it was so powerful, it reversed the flow of the Mississippi, which is yes, it did. quite yeah. extraordinary. At least yeah. for, for me, it sounds good. Because it's a very big, wide, lazy river. So it's a huge yeah. volume of water to send Staggering. the other way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just before uh, Ida, we'd had Storm Henri up in the northeast of the US. So, you know, Rhode Island was very badly hit by storms and heavy rain and flooding. Uh, but, yeah, Ida was the big one. That's the one that came in and um, was regarded as one of the most powerful hurricanes uh, to hit the south coast of, uh, well, the north coast of the Gulf um, ever. So Louisiana was very badly, very, very badly hit. Flood defences, of course, have improved in the last 16 years, thank goodness. Mm. And that did uh, did hold back the rain. But, of course, Mr Biden was going to take all the credit for, <laughs> for Well, he to take credit for something. Uh, but, um, yeah, Joe Biden was in there, wasn't he, straight away talking about how well, this is a sign of things to come with the, the warming globe and uh, climate mm. change. We've got to do something about it. But will he do something about it? This is the question that everybody's asking when we get to Glasgow in a few weeks' time. Uh, so interesting, yes, it's some interesting weather all around the world. Most of it seems bad weather. It all seems like torrential rainfall and flooding. 
and droughts and all the rest of it. But um, twas ever thus, Andrew. Twas ever mm. thus. It was always like this. But um, yeah, you can't argue with the facts. The world is warming up. It just doesn't seem like it in our country sometimes. Yes, I can say we have this COP. What it's called? I can never remember the number. COP yeah, something. COP, COP. I don't know. COP Thirty-six something. or something. Yeah, I can't. Well, I think it, you make it's a, a number. Well, it's a number that doesn't relate for in my brain. I, I think it's probably the number of countries taking part in it, yeah. and that, as you say, is in Glasgow. And there's yes. people are bandwagoning. Um, you, you talk about Joe Biden. Our yeah. own uh, politicians in this country are all doing this. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're doing the other. Um, mm. But the weather machine that you're talking about and that you constantly talk about going back with the central england figures to 1659 is such a massive machine we we do influence it you and i agree that we human beings can influence it but actually the bigger picture um and i can remember this because where i was um in europe um a lot of it was limestone (laughs) and Mm. where we were were millions of years ago the bottom of a sea yes and that's what that's I've got. To, you, we've got to remember that it looks lovely now mm. only because the world and the weather patterns have made it like that. And that was way before man was interfering with things. So we we need to step back and take a broad, wider view. There are things we ought to be doing, but we can't constantly batter on about climate change being this, that and the other, because I no. don't think we can be that empiric. No. And one of the interesting things, Andrew, is that what's happening in recent years is we see more and more of the Arctic ice melting, yep. which is understandable. If it's warming up around the world, it's going to melt the ice more quickly and we're going to get more of it melting into the North Atlantic. Now, that will have an effect. It'll certainly bring the uh, sea temperature down. It's going to weaken the jet stream anyway. So it's, it's going to weaken the jet stream across the North Atlantic And we've seen that in recent years with more blocking. It's called blocking when the jet stream doesn't go through as a sinusoidal pattern in the same way. It starts to block and and divert north and south. So we're getting more troughing going down to the western part of Iberia, down towards Madeira. And then we're getting more peaks coming across central and eastern Europe. And that's why you're getting the high temperatures there. So if you're getting the blocking in the summer, you'll also get the blocking in the winter. So there's no reason to suggest with blocking that you're going to get um, milder winters. You know, basically, basic physics, basic science says if you're going to get more blocking because of the change in the jet stream, then you're going to increase the chance that you're going to get more severe winters again back across the UK. It isn't a a one size fits all this climate change business. It it is if you wanted to get money out of uh, governments to get uh, climate science working, it's, it's going to give you more money because you're going to keep battering your chest and give you the same result all the time. But actually, it isn't like that. You're going to get uh, different changes in the jet stream and you're going to get different weather in different parts of the country, different parts of Europe, different parts of the world. And for some, it'll be better. For some, it'll be worse. In the end, you know, with a global warming going on, we've got severe problems. There's no question about that. That is absolutely right. That's true. Uh, But it doesn't mean to say that the weather will necessarily be on this exponential curve the same way that they talk about. So the question everybody is now saying is, John, thank you very much indeed for that. And Andrew, get off your soapbox. Well, we're on it every month, aren't we? Really? We are, actually. <laughs> but um, we are now, as I say, recording this. It's now getting up to quarter to 12, uh, 8th of September. Um, I'm not going to describe the fact that we are dressed appropriately for the weather. How long is this going to carry on for? Um, we, we seem to see... Um, Oh, the the picture is not as stable now for the rest of the week, is it? So, you know, what have we got for the next three or four days? 
Well, for the shorter term, yes, Andrew, for the shorter term, next three or four days, we're already looking at thunderstorms developing out of the Channel Islands now, moving up into southwest England. They are there now uh, on this Wednesday the 8th. So they're going to be moving further inland across uh, into central and western parts of um, England and Wales and up into Northern Ireland through today. And then tonight, they're going to become more extensive and moving up into more central and northern parts of the UK for tomorrow. Uh, So for the next 24, 36 hours, there's certainly an increasing chance of heavy downpours of rain, local flooding, no doubt, some thunderstorms. They will be hit and miss, and they'll certainly be hit and miss across East Anglia and the southeast. That southeast corner is always going to remain rather more continental with its weather. So that's where the, uh, the highest temperatures will hang on a little bit longer. And I'm including East Yorkshire, Lincolnshire and Norfolk in that. Oh. Uh, so for the next couple of days, we could still see some reasonably high temperatures. Don't forget, we've had 30 yesterday. We'll probably get 30 today in Lincoln. And tomorrow, we're probably looking at 23, 24 uh, for the next couple of days, in fact. So we're still reasonably warm for September, <laughs> very warm for September. Uh, but there's no doubt about it. We've got more heavy downpours, more cloud around, more thunderstorms as well. And these will be bringing some pretty nasty conditions across some parts of the country. There are warnings out for the next 48 hours or 36 hours at least. Uh, so it's very unsettled now and uh, temperatures are on the decline. Eventually, we're going to move the high pressure to the southeast and that'll introduce again a cool, or to the west, I should say, the high pressure moves to the west again, and that'll introduce for the weekend some cooler northerly winds coming down off the uh, southern uh, North Sea. Uh, so we're going to see a big drop in temperature with some showers around, best of the sunshine out in the west. It's a repeat of what we had for much of August. Uh, we're just flipping the coin yet again. That's the short term. If you go back to uh, what's going to be happening through September, things will change again because at long last we then will start to see Uh, more tropical storm disturbances coming across the Atlantic. And even, I'm looking at a chart here for the 12th, which is just next Sunday, the remnants of the next storm uh, will be across uh, Greenland and Iceland, probably bringing some really heavy rainfall up into Greenland in the next three or four days. That will be significant with severe gales, storm force winds there. And then breakaway low-pressure systems moving into Madeira as well. And so we will start to see more heavy showers and some thunderstorms pushing back across Iberia into southern France and other southern southwestern parts of Europe in the coming week, whereas high pressure builds. For us, one of the things that you need for high pressure to build is warmer winds coming in off the Atlantic up the western side and cooler winds coming down from uh, northern parts up around the Arctic in northern Russia and Sweden and Finland. And that's what's happening. So that high pressure is going to build again this time further to the northeast so that could introduce us some warmer weather yet again as we go through september so i think we're not giving up on september i think there could be some decent weather still to come that's a wonderful point at which to finish today's program john ketley thank you so much indeed for being with us here at siren and we will be back at the beginning of october and all things being equal it will be the first wednesday but for the moment john thank you very much indeed for being here thank you andrew